0: Let's pray for our community and for our friends who need the Lord today. Our father, our mother, we come to you for your love and nurture. The words, if we ever needed the Lord before, we need you now, come to mind. Lord, we need you every day. But as these episodes of violence erupt in our communities and in our families, Lord God, we We seek you, Lord, to understand them. We seek your comfort, Father, for the families and friends within our community who've experienced it, oh God. We seek your compassionate love for those who have lost loved ones due to suicide, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would guide those who are close in how to minister as they're dealing with their own emotions, oh God. We pray. Um, that we would be family to one another at this time, and that, Lord, we'd be willing to extend ourselves beyond what's normal, to care. We thank you for those who are in our midst, Joy, um, who, Father, you brought successfully back from the hospital this week. <clears throat> we ask for your her continued healing, Lord God, and we thank you that Marley's with us today. Father, we speak love and compassion and healing over all those who are Maybe simply under the weather, experiencing allergies, oh God, or who, Father, got news from a doctor and they're not able to share right now because they're sorting through. We know that you are the God who is able. You are the God of possibilities. You are the God of hope. You are the God of peace, Lord God. And we lean on you today. We lean on you to show us your way through. And we trust you, oh God, in the midst of everything that goes on, to be God. To be god right here right now we glory in you and we thank you lord let the words of my mouth the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you lord i pray that lord you help me to deliver this sermon in the way that you lord showed me and empower me to do it lord i pray that it will help us be family and move father in unity and that your son would be glorified as we all move toward the center toward jesus from wherever we are that we'll turn and face him and see ourselves reflected in his eyes. This is our prayer. This is our hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All righty. So, you know me. Let me do my little recap. We began our journey, uh, and I shared with you that I was going to preach uh, in my first series, several series, on the message, the means, the method, and the movement. Magda said she really liked that slide because I got the mosaic in there. <laughs> this is a message for us, the message that God is community and God created humanity, reflecting himself or herself, God's self, through the human community, us operating and living and moving in unity. Our desire is to meaningfully embody this truth. And it gives us a wonderful opportunity to share this message, not only in the words that we use with one another, but in how we live together, how we act together, how we are together. It's funny, um, you never know sometimes who's watching you, who's looking out at what you're doing. I had a, a gentleman say to me once, I came and sat in my office, and, and he said, uh, this is real for you, huh? <laughs> and it was a funny way to say that because he had been a Christian for, forever that I knew him. And he just, you know, this is real. And I was like, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but that caught me off guard, as my brother Denny likes to say, catch somebody off guard and make you think about a thing or two. That people are watching us. And they want to see us be Christians more than hear about us being Christians. They want to see us be church outside instead of watching us come into church to sit for Sunday service. Amen. And we... As mosaic, as this wonderful mosaic of people, there's a scripture in Revelations that talks about how every tribe and every nation is gathered around God's throne. When I see mosaic, that's what I think about all of us in our different ethnicities and our different cultures, maybe even dressed in our cultural garb, standing before the throne, praising him and delivering our gifts that come out of expressions of our culture before the throne. And that excites me. But it excites me all the more to know that I don't have to wait till that day, but we can do it right now. And we can share in the midst of this house from our expressions of who we are and how God has crafted us uniquely. The mosaic, the web of people coming together and showing forth God's glory. And then we talked about the means. And we learned that God honors God's promise to never leave us or forsake us by making a home in each and every believer. This agrees with God saying that alone isn't good. And please understand me, when I talk about being alone, I'm an introvert to my core. Myers-Briggs, I'm off the chart for introversion. I need some time by myself. Sometimes people talk too much to me. I gotta disappear. (laughs) My kids love to talk. My husband will tell you, I'll go in that room sometimes and they're like, mom, like, no. So I'm not talking about that kind of alone. I'm talking about the isolation that separates us from one another, that I don't have time for you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I got in the car with the Uber driver, and he said, Lord, I had to say, you know, he was joking around, but he said, I had to say, not today, Satan. Somebody got in the car with him and was just griping and just nasty. And all of that stuff just separates us, Right? It makes us move away, and the way we live our lives sometimes does that, but God is given us a gift in the person of the Holy Spirit to unite us. God, the Spirit is the means through which we're able to rise up above those things and connect with one another. Connection is so important. So a little plug. By the way, please fill out your Connect cards. I really want to see who was here. So I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you if you look down for a minute on your phone and fill it out. Amen. So separation alone is not good. That's what I mean. That isolation is not good. And now we come to the halfway point in these sermons, um, and we're going to talk about the method. Method is, can be defined, can you guys see around me, I'm sorry, as a uh, particular way of doing something. So, for our definition, we're going to say that we'll explore the particular way God engages and and mobilizes God's human community in this series. God's particular way of mobilizing, of engaging us, and my belief that that's done through the church. What do we mean when we use the word church? Now. Most of us know who've come up in church. Some of us who haven't been raised in a church may not, but you hear that word "ecclesia." Originally a gathering of cities in a city state or a polis, but it's also come to mean those who've been called out, called out into an assembly. Now in the days of old in Roman culture, women and foreigners and children weren't included as citizens but we live in a new state, a new age, a new day, where we are. The Christian community has adapted this term. In Hebrew, an equivalent term was kahel, which also means an assembly or a gathering together. The root is to be called out. And so it's our understanding that we are those who are called out of the world into a heavenly citizenry while we are sitting right here. In the world we know so you can ask if we're called at a called out assembly and everyone so if we're called out assembly and everyone has received Jesus as Savior and Lord as a member of that assembly why bother with church why bother going to church anymore isn't that the question of today why, why bother coming out you know I could I could be sleeping I could worship at Bedside Baptist's and you know, true confession, I have worshiped there. <laughs> and enjoyed myself. But why why do we answer this this question this call to come out? Sometimes we answer it because, you know, we've had children and we want our children to have a Christian value and so, you know, and truth truth be told, cuz we just want to tell the truth, right? We suck it up and we come. Cuz I want my kids to know all the Bible stories and have other kids who may possibly not attack them uh, to play, but we know the truth, right? Kids kids are kids, no matter where you go. Um, but I don't want to hang out. Sometimes um, we go because we want the community that's there and to be a part of that. Other times we go because we want to know Jesus, and we pray that this will be a place where we are actually can grow and deepen our understanding of Christ. So many of us ask this question, and sometimes we answer the questions when we're not in the best of moods is, I guess we beat so the pastor can get paid. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. But that's not why, Um, seriously. Um, I've heard and offered all kinds of excuses. I'm like, you know, I can get together in a different assembly, right? I can go to a concert with some Christian people, and that's us gathering together. I can sit in a small group that, you know, some neighborhood people and I join together. That's an assembly. Scripture tells me that forsake not the assembling of myself together, and I am assembling with people. So I am in, and I am fine, but there is something distinct and something different about being a part of church, that we need, and so we need a better understanding of what church is. Because when we go out and call people, we're calling them to something, okay? Yes, we are calling them to Jesus. And we are calling them to salvation, but we're also calling them to community that they can only experience with the family. We could focus on the negatives in our Christian history for reasons why we won't go to church or, or don't think we need the church. We can say things like, weren't Christians responsible for killing innocent women in the witch trials in Salem? Yep. Didn't Christians support slavery? Yep. Didn't Christians jail, jail Galileo and all he did was look through a piece of glass and see that we weren't the center of the universe? Yep. Hasn't the church condemned people based on their gender, their orientation, their economic status? Yep. And today, Christian church too often fails to speak out about the injustices currently taking place in our country against the undocumented, against the documented, and against those with brown skin in almost every way. And we're quiet, and we get angry. And we say, why do I need this? I wrote in um, Facebook posts, don't tell me you love me. And you don't, excuse me, I'm not gonna get too political, but you don't vote in a way that puts me in your thoughts. I I don't understand that. It's hard for me uh, to believe in love And that's one of the things that we have been faced with as a church when people move away from churches because I can't trust the people who are assembled. And and I don't wanna hear that stuff about really moving forward and getting out there. But I'm persuaded, y'all, that we can get a group of people who are on the same page, have the same mindset to try. You see, there's a reward for effort in the kingdom of God. We serve a God who looks at the desires of our hearts. And as the desire of our heart is to move forward with others in community, you see, scripture says if one can capture 1,000 to 10,000, and we have so many people in here to capture thousands of people within our community, not just to tell them the message of Christ, because sometimes I think we spiritually In the past, more so now than now, but we were spiritually fornicating. We want to put notches on our belt for how many people we could get saved. When I came up, there was, you know, evangelism explosion and all these little tracks and ways to get people. And you got them saved and you could come up and say, you know, I led this many people to Christ. Or, you know, and there was that kind of attitude with it, you know. And so it became more caring about me and my demonstration of myself as a Christian before the world instead of my love. And sharing with people. I think those things are okay. You know, having those tools and those methodologies. But I would rather hear about who Jesus is to you. Much rather hear that. That's real for me. Why bother with church? I want to attempt in this series to answer at least that question, at least a little bit for us. It's too relevant for us to leave behind as we want our community to grow. So we need to cover a couple of things. First, we need to cover today how the church came to be. And then we're gonna talk about the how and why of its design, its chosen way to structure itself. So for today, how the church came to be. Um, There are just a couple of thoughts I wanna raise for your consideration. I owe y'all a short day from last week, I remember. Uh, So let's begin here. Jesus steps on the scene. He's preaching about the kingdom of God, and he's joining John and telling people to repent, right? For the kingdom of God is at hand. And after months and months of turning the traditional teachings of the Torah upside down, After months and months of the Pharisees chasing him, the Sadducees chasing him, people chasing him just for a miracle. After months and months of this, he comes to the point that he asks his disciples, who do they say that I am? Let's read it in Matthew 16, 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, what, do you, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is one of the first places uh, we come to in Scripture where we see the word church used. Um, from the words in, in verse 18, on this rock, I will build my church. Based on this, we can conclude that Jesus is the founder of, of the church, but there are scholars who disagree. You can say, Angel, there's always somebody who disagrees. I know, that makes life interesting, right? We can talk about a few things. So I want to present just a little bit of, of their thought, just to give you some things to think about, Okay. There's some scholars who say that we're incorrect when we say that Jesus' aim was to found the church. And we're in error when we, uh, when we think that Jesus founded the institutional church, or he instituted the church. A gentleman named Edward Schweizer wrote in The Good News According to Matthew, uh, in 1975, this is, how, this is not a new thought. This has been around for a while. Jesus was not a Christian, but a Jewish rabbi. His goal, it seemed, was to reaffirm the religion of his legacy, especially in light of the Roman occupation and the religious oppression that was taking place. You see, Jesus came to give a course correction, is what he's saying, that people had gone off and they were not living in the way that God had intended. So he came first to correct the Jews and the rest of us benefited from that effort. They focus on the fact that the church is a Christian institution. It may seem funny to think about, it may seem funny to not think about Jesus in Christian terms, you know? Jesus was not Christian. He was a first century Palestinian rabbi. He is still anchored in the first century rabbi who very much understands the plight, the conflict going on in Palestine, his home. We know that, we know this, but it's hard to look at Jesus through, um, through a Jewish lens because we're so u- used to thinking about him from our Christian perspective. Instead, we need to deal with Jesus' Jewish reality when we look at him. Jesus is a rabbi. And they're saying, nevertheless, let me finish his quote, it is also true that Jesus' teachings were used as the basics for the beginning, development, and organization of the church that came to be after his resurrection. In this sense, we can say that while Jesus did not found a church or the church, he can be considered its foundation. So they support a notion of a man-made institution as opposed to a God-made institution. Okay, the church. Now, for some of us, that might make us go, yay, see, I don't have to go after all. (laughs) Because Jesus didn't found it. But as we look from Genesis to the Gospels, we understand the point that Jesus did not come to found the church, but to bring redemption and restoration. God's intention has ever been to restore humanity in relationship and purpose to God and to one another. So let's get this thing about course correction clear he is the foundation of the church he came to correct the course through his teachings as a rabbi and they fundamentally guide and shape who we are as followers Christians of him now I hold that Jesus is the founder of the church and so with this point of view, I want to support it, or I do support it in the following ways. I believe Jesus built the church. One simple reason I see is, I see it in Scripture, Matthew 16, 18, he said, I'll build my church. So I'm not always a literalist, but on that one I am, because it seemed kind of clear, right? On this, I'm going to build my church, okay? Another reason is that Christ... Another reason is that the church has no nature of its own. It's not driven by submission outside uh, or within that originates within itself. Its existence is derived from the presence of Christ within the church. It is the presence of the resurrected Christ that constitutes the community of God that we call church. Simply put, because Christ exists as resurrected savior, we are thus making him the founder and establisher of the church, his body. Thus, we have the worldwide big C church. So there's a big C church and a little C church, right? There's the big C church that connects all of us universally. And scripture tells us two important things about the inception of the church how the big church, big C church came to be and continues to exist. When we look back at Matthew 16, 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So the first thing we come to understand about the forming of the church is that it comes through a revelation that you and I, even though you may say, I don't hear from the spirit or this or that from the spirit, you heard, I heard at least one time from the spirit of God because the Spirit moved me to receive Christ and moved you to receive Christ. There was something in the way that God spoke to us that moved our hearts that said, I need this. Now, yes, it may be true that there was something initially, you know, my son has a, d- a double testimony. He talks about how he grew up Christian in a Christian home. But it wasn't until the eighth grade till he decided that, you know what, I've been faking it. He's given this in public testimony. I've been faking this and looking like one. So in the eighth grade, he went on a retreat, and God spoke to him, and he came to an understanding that he needed his own relationship and that mom and dad's relationship with Christ, and he received him. And so much so, the second thing, in Matthew 18 of, of Peter's reply, Said, Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There are two things that take place. God reveals Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, and then there is human confession that that is exactly who he is. My son dealt with his faking it, as he says, and received Christ, but he did something else that weekend. This very if you know my son, so you haven't seen my son, because my son tends to be on the shy side, he got up and testified. He got up and told people. He confessed a belief. So there are two things that happened in the formation of the Big C Church. We receive a revelation of God in Christ. And the second thing is we make that confession that we saw it. I see God. I know I need him. And we have come into being as the Big C Church because of those two things. God saves us as individuals who make a confession and moves us into the body of believers. His body connected through the means of the Holy Spirit with a message that we are community. It's all connected. It all, to me, anyway, I hope it does to you, makes sense. Why be bothered with the church? It is to the people of the church that God reveals God's self in Christ. And in and through the church, our common confession unites us. And that common confession draws other people. They all talk about Jesus. Maybe I need to think about Jesus. I'm watching and such and such was hurt. Have you seen Joy's house and how the people come in and out and they're bringing food and they're they're coming for prayer. They sit on the porch and talk and laugh. Have you seen that? i got to find out about these people. i got to see what's up for these people. And people may come. This is why we're a center set church. People may come because they see the activity of the church and we want them. We want that to be that light in the world. But then what happens is they know God for themselves. They make the confession. And then they move from I attend kind of sort of maybe to I really want to be a part of something bigger than me something that's moving and alive, something that can change some things. I want to be a part. People join all kinds of things because they want to be a part of something bigger than they join political movements. I joined the high school band. It was bigger than me. I enjoyed it. It was fantastic. I had a sense of wonder. I had a sense of being special. I had a sense of, 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 of the camaraderie of being with other people. I loved that, and I loved it. It it made such an impression on me that I I sought continually things that provided that. And so when I got to college, I joined the Baptist Student Union. And I'm gonna be honest with y'all, the Baptist Student Union was full of white people. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Every time I walked through through campus, it was like on that side, I was going down, the Lord was like, angel, and I'm like, no, not today, Lord, not today. But still, something called out to me as I saw people coming and going. and I saw a few people of color coming and going. And I went to one thing, and they talked about Jesus in a particular way that I understood that night. And it was like, I can, maybe I can be a part of this group. I joined a little church in the projects because they not only talked about Jesus, they spent a lot of time together. They would go over to each other's houses. They would laugh, they would giggle. If you had a hard time, they were there. And not just because it's where I met my husband, well in college and then at the church. I thought he was kind of cute. As he hid behind the piano. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long time ago, I said that for you. Anyway. um, But the church can be that kind of thing. In that project that we were part of, Grandy Park, there were years and years of history of people who had been through that church, received uh, support, clothing, food, but that nurture and loving care. My husband still cries the name of two ladies. Oh, I forgot the name. Joyce, he's shaking his head at me. Tell me the names, help me. Anna Keelan. Keelan. (laughs) And Miss Pettyjohn. Lorraine Pettijohn, they had been there for years. They left shortly after I came, but I was there for what, 10 10 years or so? And you always heard stories about the love of these two women. Always, always. And the stories always concluded with, they love Jesus. They did this stuff because of Jesus. I want to be a part of a community that has that testimony of the revelation of Jesus in their lives and then coming together as community to proclaim it not just in word but in activity It is a spiritual process that we come through to become part of the church, belief and confession. And yet, our church is a historical entity. When we study the teachings of the church, we have a a running definition that I like to use. It was crafted by uh, Laura Martel, who's a constructive theologian now at the um, Lexington theological seminary but she was and is a mentor of mine when she talks about the church or the ecclesiology the doctrine of the church she defines it this way the theological historical cultural and social understanding of the identity function and purpose and the eschatological which means in time orientation of a community that understands itself to be called into being by God through faith in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I read those words, I don't see the spiritual side of things. Me. I look at the word theology, and I understand theology is just simply faith-seeking understanding. So it's a community of people who, in faith, seek to understand who God is and who they are. It's historical in that it has existed and been contextual, set in time, set in cultural settings, and has impact on society. The church is spiritual, this Big C Church, but it is also something that is very real and anchored very much in the earth. If it were not anchored in the earth, it would not be church. Make sense? It is very much anchored. And God has chosen through I want to say God's wisdom that God wants to use the church. So I said before in the message that we are that God is a community and God created humanity to be community. Right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are now connected. And the same Spirit that lives in me lives in you and is talking to us. And as we spend time in the presence of God and we become comfortable in listening and hearing God, as we spend time reading Scripture and allowing God to talk to us, we get connected to God. As we share the things that God is communicating with us, with one another, we get closer to each other in fundamental ways that help us in our identity, our understanding of who we are. While the church came into being through confession and through revelation, it continues to derive its its self, its understanding of itself through Christ. And so we can do nothing separated from the knowledge of him. We have a, it's a big task in this generation to understand church. It's a big task that we have. It's a big challenge that we have. I don't know about you, but I like challenges. How do you go in a world that every day there's something on television about a group of people who are in favor of something that is awful and believe that God has anointed things that don't look like they should be anointed? How do you deal in a world like this right now, you know? How do you dare to say, Profess that you are a Christian in the face of that. How do we love and not separate ourselves from from that aspect of the body that makes us embarrassed or ashamed or angry? Because it makes me very angry. There's a part of me, don't put stuff on Jesus that's not Jesus's. Mm -mm. And he has not changed. Not changed. If it was ugly and wrong and led to separation, then it does now. And he says no to that which deals in death. But we speak life and truth. But to do it by ourselves is kind of hard. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just kind of hard. When I was going through my transformation and understanding that people of all kinds of orientations are welcome into the household of faith, I didn't want to tell nobody. Because the majority of the people I knew were going to get on me. And talk about me and try to pray over me and all kinds of stuff. For me to have a better revelation of what it means to be a Christian when I was growing up in Christ. And so I found a community of people who helped me flush out my understanding and talk through this thing. So now I'm not scared to say it out loud. I get a little nervous sometimes depending on who it is. (laughs) My father in faith knows the scriptures, boy. I got to be on point when I go with him. But I'm not gonna deny, because I won't deny anyone. But it's easier to do when we're together, right? It's easier to, to, to sharpen my understanding to be able to defend those who are marginalized, who are kept down when I stand up. It's easier to say, why are you building another church in the world that has so many churches and so many buildings that are standing empty and people are hungry? It helps me say, there is more to life then getting up every morning, going to work and coming back home and being sad, but trying to hide from people that you are sad. You can confess your sadness. You can confess your hurt in a household that cares for you. And it will change things because people will know. But a world that says be separate, hide, you don't. And in that isolation, each day you slowly die. I don't know why my brother took his life. I don't know. I know his wife. I look at his wife and I go, it doesn't make sense because she's a joy. I don't understand it, but I know right now she's not alone because there is a wide tribe of people who have encircled her, who are grieving with her, who are not pretending. Well, maybe he just had a mental—he just had a mental illness. He maybe something. They're just going. I don't know what it was, and it hurts like crap. But I'm gonna be here. And I'm not leaving. So much of life is like that. It's not a fantasy. Life is tough. And we don't have a fantasy Jesus. He had to go to a cross. And so life has been tough for us. And we don't have to live in a fantasy of this is great Christianity. We got a history full of mess. But we can say this is a great relationship with God. The church hasn't always done the things it's supposed to be or supposed to do and been the thing it was supposed to be. But guess what? Every time I get up and look in the mirror, I can look and say, you have not done everything you were supposed to do, and you are not everything you're supposed to be. And I could get down on myself, but I don't. I say, he who began a good work in me, he's able to complete it. Greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. I may have been down yesterday, but I can get up and go another step today. I can try. There is a reward with God for effort. And what we come and plead with the world to do is try Jesus. Try family. Try a church home where you actually participate in caring about one another. We are Christian people because we follow the example, not because we sit in seats. In the same way, sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car, <laughs> sitting in a church pew doesn't make you a Christian. It is the confession that moves us to activity as a group who think and believe, <sighs> little engine that could. I think we can i think we can so the task for our church because these sermons are not about general stuff they're very personal to me for our fellowship it's about us saying to one another i think we can you know we used to like hanging out together i hear wonderful stories about that with this church we got kids and we don't know how to do this because i'm tired and all of that is real but i think we can figure this out i think we can i think we can and spend more time together I think we can pull a really powerful worship team here because the, po- the power of worship was planted in this house. And all I know is that if you plant a seed, what you plant, it grows. Will we dare to cultivate worship land and see it grow again? you plant it? B-I-U. Or did I, B-U-I? What's it stand for? B-I-T. Thank you. Building it together was planted with the church tithing some resources and us wanting to give it to the community. I think we can figure out a way to make that sustainable and do something every year for the entire history of this church. I believe that. I think we can. I think we can. I think we can. But it doesn't matter if I'm the only one who thinks we can. It doesn't matter if you're the only one. We have to believe. We have to figure it out. I'm very happy to be here as your senior pastor. I'm glad to say to you right now, I don't have all the answers. But I'm very happy to sit with us and discover them within this body. Everything we need, we have. I believe it. And if we don't have it, God will send it. Will we make use of what we have? All right, I'm watching time. I'm watching time. I'm watching time. So the first thing is that we are a spiritual body, united through confession and revelation. In the next two weeks, we'll talk about the practical side of church and its structuring and formation. We'll do a little bit of church history. My desire is not to bore anybody, but to inform us. Because the scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge, it actually says this, my people are unrestrained for lack of knowledge. They'll go, anything, they'll go anywhere, do anything, be a part of stuff that's not good for them. Because they don't understand. And the scripture also says this, in all you're getting, in everything you get, get understanding. I want you to understand why I'm moving the way I'm moving when we start to pull a plan together. It's already in my head and percolating on my walls and stuff. But the foundation, I want to make sure the foundation is clear. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you. Bless you.